talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome back to View from the West podcast. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, once again joined, as always, by Mitch Stormer. Christmas is just a few days away. The new year is right around the corner. Mitch, we'll start with, do you have all of your Christmas gifts wrapped and under the tree? I would say that I have nothing wrapped and <laughs> nothing is under the tree. Uh, so the short answer is no. There's still okay, well, things to work with. We're all right. Does, does the real hero of the household, does your wife have things under the tree? Well, well, the real hero is the Amazon uh, delivery man who's been in our house seemingly <laughs> just about every day the past two months. Uh, so he's he's the MVP. But uh, yeah, we got it all we got it all stored. It's all in the right uh, the right place. It's secure. Uh, just needs the final touches. All right. Well, truth be told, I almost couldn't even record in my normal recording spot in our office downstairs because as of this morning, my wife said there were things in here I could not see. Yeah, you must be on the nice list, Greg. You got to hide all that stuff. Uh, Becca's on it this year. Yeah, so Santa's workshop is in full force in the office downstairs. I was given clearance to come down and record, but I had to come down with eyes closed. I couldn't look in the in the main room. So there's yeah. stuff going on in this house that I don't know about, but I, I guess that's all great. I guess, yeah, like you said, I'm on the good list. I'm getting presents. So, uh yep. Yep, we do we do it all for for the content here on the show. <laughs> so, Mitch, in our final episode of 2021, we look back on a great season that was. This is our best in the West award show. Now, last week we hosted the View from the West Fantasy Draft, where you and I, along with Corey Cuffler from WQAD TV and Kyle Campmeyer from NUICFootball.com, we each selected a team of players, the best players from the conferences that we cover. It was a ton of fun. I encourage anyone who hasn't already heard it to go back and check that episode out. That was a great way to discuss a lot of great players in our area. I think we all drafted pretty well, but I'll leave it up to the listeners, Mitch, to decide who has the best team, who had the best team in that draft. Yeah, I think, I think all four of us would say that we, uh, or at least we would try and, and sell that we had the best teams. But uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, uh, go back to our feed and, and give it a listen. Now for this week, it's time for the best ofs. It's time for the superlatives. Mitch, we're awarding our game of the year, our team of the year, coach of the year, our conference players of the year. That also includes our eight-man football player of the year. And then at the end, we're awarding our View from the West Player of the Year. That's almost like our very own Heisman Trophy that we're giving out here on the show. So, Mitch, the question is, do you have your ballots ready? Yeah, I'm ready to go, ready to talk about it. Before we get into the awards, though, Mitch, we should go back for the fall of 2021. And I want to take a minute to highlight the all-state athletes from our area. So we're going to run down the list of the best players starting in class 7A. A lot of these players will be discussed later on in our awards, but I just wanted to make sure we didn't leave anyone out. So we got to talk about the All-Staters from our area, and we're going to start in class 7A. Mitch, he was the Western Big Six Player of the Year. We got to start with All-State wide receiver Matthew Bailey from Moline, but also in class 7A, honorable mention Moline's Cranston Wall he's got to get a lot of credit here along with, along with Bailey. 
yeah, Bailey, one of the most dynamic players, uh, certainly in our era that we saw um, and, and got the, the deserved recognition, obviously, from different publications. And obviously, this All-State honor is well-deserved. Uh, you saw a season come to an unfortunate end when he broke his collarbone in the playoff game against Willowbrook. But uh, like you just said, with Cranston Wall, he's the one who kind of stepped into that role and really made some dynamic plays all season. But he really stood out in that game against Willowbrook. Um, and so, yeah, both of these guys, well-deserving uh, All-State honors here in, in 7A. Well, Mitch, that's the two, the top two we're going to lead off with, but we're not done with Moline quite yet. We got a little bit more Moline football to talk about with some honors and some accolades. That's a tease ahead as we call it in the business. So we'll, we'll get to that in a few minutes. We'll get back to Moline in a minute, but let's move into class 6A, All-State honorable mention, Rock Island's Kai Rios, a tight end. Mitch, he's now an Indiana State Sycamore commit. So he's going yeah. on to the next level, playing Division One college football. He was the guy we looked at all year as just that, you know, he was a real weapon because he was such a big target for that Rock Island offense. Yeah, b- big target for uh, for Eli Reese. And also just kind of a matchup nightmare, just even in terms of in the run game. A big body there, just kind of like an extra lineman in, in certain plays, but uh, a, a dangerous to come off of that line and catch passes too. So yeah, he was a lot of fun to watch. He, he uh, I think he's going to, going to shine there at Indiana state. So uh, we'll be looking out for him. Yep. Well, speaking of big bodies, Mitch, a big reason I think we wanted to do this all state segment was we need to give credit to the defensive standouts. Some of those guys doing the work in the trenches that maybe we don't call on week in and week out, but those names, you know, are coming up right here in five, a honorable mention, Sterling's Jason Farnham, a defensive lineman. For as much as we talked about Antonio Tablante being a team MVP on the offensive side of the ball for Sterling, you got to look at Farnham on the defensive side of the ball. He was a force week in and week out for this Golden Warrior defense, really kind of anchored them throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, you know, Sterling coming off last year being a uh, the Western Big Six champion, and again, having a good year this year. Like you said, their offense gets a lot of credit, but the defense has played well, and, and, and Farnham, was a, Farnham was a really good uh, example of a leader on that defense. They scored a couple times, I think, that unit did. So, yeah, this is a, this is a great pick here. Yep. In Class 4A, James Connor, Kiwani's two-way standout lineman. He's an all-stater. And, Mitch, actually, fun story, you know, maybe his – most fun entertaining highlight of the year. I was there for it in the game against Mendota. They were driving down late in the half and coach Swanson turns to Connor who punches it in from short yardage, a la like William refrigerator Perry type style, punching it in. So uh, a ton of fun there to see, but he did a lot of work, obviously outside of the touchdown he scored. He was a great player for them and maybe not a name we said week in and week out, but we certainly need to give him credit here. Yeah, um, like, like you said, I know what play you're talking about there, and uh, that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, and, and again, like you said, Kiwani's defense was really um, a big reason why that they had the season that they did. Obviously, the the performance that stands out the most is that game against Princeton, where they came up with the win. Any way to, to stop that, you know that uh, that team uh, deserves a lot of recognition. So yeah, James Conner here in four A, uh, one of the many. Uh, standouts of the Boilermakers and uh, a deserved pick. Yep, absolutely. Also in class 4A, when we're talking about big men, there's yep. not many bigger than Allman's Charles Jagasaw. Allman struggled this year. We talked about their struggles throughout the season, but this guy, Mitch, 
man, this guy really opened a lot of eyes and turned a lot of heads. He was impressive. He was only a junior. So an all-state accolade is a junior. He's coming back for all of them next year. You talk about a huge piece in the middle of that line for Alleman. You know, that's an anchor if you could ever have one. And then this guy, he did some serious work on both sides of the ball. Yeah, probably the athlete in the area that holds the most offers uh, already and the most probably prestigious offers. Um, you know, he, he's going to have offers from every major D1 school. Um, and again, being on the line maybe doesn't get all, a lot of the attention as some of the, uh, the players that get the big stats. But um, despite Allman's uh, record, despite, you know, uh, what they did this season, um, and they had a lot of issues other than, you know, um, other than just having an 0-9 record, but uh, they played hard. They, they looked good on, you know, in, in certain in certain games, they looked good. I think it's they're only going to go up. Uh, but Jagasaw, like you said, just a dynamic athlete in the area uh, who is going to play major D1 ball at the next level. Yeah, I mean, I know we talk about linemen don't get the, the recognition all the time or the highlights or the accolades, but man, he had a few plays this year one against Rock Island in particular that I remember, like he could just blow up a play. I mean, yeah. on defense, but then on the offensive side, he could clear some massive yeah. space as well. I mean, I'm not always like, you know, stopping my tracks and watching an offensive lineman, if I'm being totally honest, like, you know, that's not where my head goes, where my eyes go watching a right. football play. But for his plays, he definitely caught your attention. So I'm, I'm excited to watch him again next year for that Rock Island Allman team. Mitch, moving into class 3A, I know a guy that you were impressed with, Drew yep. Harp, a senior from Princeton, offensive lineman, a linebacker. He was just a real force for that defense and for that offense, but really defensively, he shined. Yeah, really where I, I thought he, he played most impressively was in the first round game against North Boone. You, you just saw him really being in control. Um, for as much as a defensive player can be against a really good uh, North Boone offense. So, um, but again, that was what he did all year on both sides of the ball. I, I really liked him on the defensive side. So uh, yeah, this, this is a great selection here for Drew Harp. Well-deserved. Yep. Another uh, class three, a selection Hunter Hoffman from a uh, quarterback senior from Dupec. Mitch, we're going to talk a lot about him in the awards segment. We already talked a lot about him. He was one of the players drafted in our view from the West fantasy draft. We've really been impressed by the work he's done and the way he's led this Dupec program. What else can you say? I mean, he ends his season, his career as an All-Stater. Um, you know, what an accomplishment, what accomplishments he's led for this Dupec team. Yeah, to, to go out uh, the, way that, the way that he did, obviously, you know, unfortunate loss in the playoffs, but you go out your senior year uh, with, a, with a conference championship and for a team and then an individual accolade like a, like a All-State Selection 3A. Uh, what more can he ask for? Great season. A few honorable mentions in Class 3A, Monmouth Roseville's Derek Chandler, Trenton Taylor running back and linebacker from Dupec, and also Tegan Davis from Princeton. Mitch, a few names there that we've mentioned a lot throughout the season, guys that put up big numbers and really impressed us. Yeah, uh, all three of those names, really. Derek Chandler was the main back for, for that Titan offense that really had a great season going into the playoffs. Uh, Trenton Taylor, uh, again, a back who was complimentary to Hunter Hoffman's passing ability um, and really was able to shine on the ground and, and gave that offense really a really dynamic sort of addition. that They didn't run the ball a whole lot uh, in, in previous years with that passing attack, and now they really came at you from, from both ways. And then what more can be said about Tegan Davis, one of the most dynamic players we had seen in his first year at quarterback. 
um, for Princeton. And uh, he gets an honorable mention here. Yeah, we may talk about Tiki Davis a little bit later. So we might talk about two of those <laughs> players on my team later on. That's a that's a tease as well. Oh, there you go. That's right. That's right. All right, let's move into class two A. Erie Prophetstown's quarterback, Colby Franks, Rock Ridge wide receiver and defensive back Nate Henry. Speaking of guys that we talked a lot about throughout the season, Mitch, these guys, these guys were dynamic, doing it in the same conference, in the same division, in the same conference. Yeah, um, I, I always, whenever we talk about Kobe Franks, I think back to the game that you were at and the highlights that you shot. And you have you have a couple of plays where he runs right at you. And it just, it reminds you of the, of the great season that he had and one of the best, probably dual threat quarterbacks that the conference has seen. Uh, when, when you talk about, you know, all-time all time seasons, I, I would imagine his is up there with the numbers that he put up. Um, and Nate Henry too, a dynamic offense there for the Rockets. A lot of the times the names are, are, are deservedly, uh, you know, Brain Deem and Peyton Locke. Uh, but Nate Henry is that re- that receiver uh, and defensive back for them. Yeah, I think the thing about Henry at the end of the year is whether he was getting passes or getting looks all the time, he always had to be accounted for. Yeah. A defense could never sleep on him, which led to opening somewhere else on the field. You know, that, that's what a really good wide receiver does is draws that attention. And I think Nate Henry did that week in and week out. But on top of that, he put up the numbers. So the honorable mentions in class 2A go to Sterling Newman's Ethan Van Landuit and Peyton Hankins, a running back from Knoxville. Mitch, two raw offenses that really like to pound the football, really like to rush and rush and rush. And both these guys, they did the damage for those teams. Sure, Newman had Marcus Williams and Knoxville had McClay. But I think these two guys, week in and week out, really doing some damage for these two offenses. Yeah, Van Landewitt, you heard his name in just about every, every game on, on both sides of the ball for Newman and with, with Peyton Hankins. Uh, just just kind of filled up the box score every week for, for that Blue Bullet offense. So, um, yeah, we just talked about with Franks and, and Henry, two, uh, two really good seasons here um, for these guys and uh, deserved picks here. You know, and the farther we get down, obviously a lot of these players are, are playing both sides of the football and I know that Van Landuit was a force on both sides of the football. Hankins was as well. So we need to shout out that aspect of their game as well, is that, you know, they're, they're going on both sides, playing a very right. tough, hard, physical brand of football, and then, you know, still running the ball late into a game. So really credit to them for being named All-State Athletes, certainly an accomplishment. Mitch, let's move into Class 1A. Fulton's fullback linebacker Keegan Van Campen leads the way, leads the way from Fulton. He was impressive. We've talked about him a lot. Matthew Beltran, a senior running back and defensive back from Forreston. Mitch, when that, when that Forreston team was running the football effectively, they had a lot of guys doing, doing the job, but Matthew Beltran became kind of that workhorse week in and week out. He was leading the way. Yeah, I think they had, you know, over 15 ball carriers or something. Just a really good, really good offense that you didn't see pass a whole lot. But yeah, Beltran's name stands out. What a, what a season that they had. Uh, obviously, you know, sticks out that, that upset win over, over Lena Winslow in the regular season in week nine. And uh, this is a good, uh, a good end to his season as well with this individual honor. Let's name two of our favorite defensive players of the year. Certainly our favorites in class 1A. I'm talking about Brody Mann from Lena mm-hmm. Winslow, and I'm talking about Leighton Damewood from Abingdon Avon. Two programs, obviously, Lena Winslow ends their year as a state champion, but Abingdon Avon also had a very good season in Class 1A, 
And yep. these guys were the anchors on those defense on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, no question. Talking about Brody Mann, look no further than the state championship game um, where he was just all over the field, really kept that Carrollton offense in check. Uh, a couple of plays really just can still stick on my mind from watching that game. He had a big sack. Um, it was always in, in good coverage, just always right there. And uh, like you said, Namewood was the, uh, the conference player of the year on the defensive side and really a good anchor to that tornado defense who made it to the quarterfinals, I believe. Yep. So, yep. Um, and, and obviously a number one seed and a co LTC champion. So yeah, these are like you said, two of our favorite defensive players we watched all year. No question. So Leighton Damewood would end his season as the defensive player of the year in the Lincoln trail conference. But on the other side, the offensive player of the year from the Lincoln trail conference also an All-Stater, that's Cormac Flynn, the running back and linebacker from Monmouth United. Mitch, I saw him in week nine of the regular season when they were playing Abingdon Avon. So going up against Leighton Damewood, I was really impressed with what I saw with Cormac Flynn. I seen him earlier in the year too, but in that week nine game when United was eyeing the playoffs, they were looking to knock off an undefeated team and they ended up doing it. I was really impressed with the way he led that United offense. Yeah. Um... Like you said, the uh, you know, player of the year in the LTC, well-deserved there. Uh, and, and really a good year for United that it didn't start the way that it, it, it ended for sure. You know, they kind of came on late uh, and getting into the playoffs. There. I think they won something five straight maybe at, at the end of the year uh, yep. to get into the playoffs. So, yeah, this was a great year for them and, and a great year for Cormac Flynn. Yep. Uh, one more name to mention in Class 1A being named to the All-State team, Ethan Heffel, a defensive back and a quarterback. He was great. He was a name we eyed early in the season. We knew he'd have a big year, and he stepped up and delivered a really good season for Heffel and the Galena Pirates. Mitch, some honorable mentions in Class 1A. Gage DeVries, a lineman on both sides of the ball from Princeville. Also, Ethan Schischler, a huge part of that success in a town the quarterback also a defensive player for them just a really great athlete and mitch i also have to mention tom durden running back defensive back from ottawa marquette he was their workhorse he's coming back he's only a junior so uh exciting times for my marquette crusaders you know i got to get that plug in there yeah no question uh great year great year for them and uh great year for as he kind of wraps up this list, just a, again, a great year for all these players um, and just goes to show the type of talent that we have in our area. So it's, it's fun to see. Well, Mitch, we talked about one more Moline Maroon that we had yeah. to mention before we wrapped up this conversation and moved into our awards section. We probably don't give enough credit to special teams around here. So before we move along, we got to give a shout out to Caroline Hazen Moline's mm -hmm. all conference kicker becomes the first female ever selected to the Illinois Shrine All-Star Game. So awesome. huge congrats to her. I mean, Mitch, a true trailblazer from right here in our area. Yeah, um, and it's certainly a credit to, uh, to her. Um, I believe she's playing soccer at the next level at Northern Iowa, I want to say. Correct, yep. Um, and, and really a testament to the Moline program. Uh, she, she's one of, of three or four kickers that they have on their roster. So, um, yeah, start starting a movement that you hope that, you know, not only continues at Moline, but continues around the area. Um, and obviously she was included in an article recently on ESPN. Um, and, and so, yeah, this is, this is great to see. It's great for the area. Um, but you're talking about a really good, 
a really good kicker, just a great season. She made 38 of 39 uh, extra point attempts, uh, kicked four field goals, made three of them. And that was 47 points, which are fourth most, four, sorry, fourth most on the Moline roster. So um, a, a great year for her. Uh, kudos, kudos to her on, on the selection to, uh, to the Shrine game. And uh, we hope uh, more to come when it, when it comes to female kickers in the game. Yeah, you know, I think nationally, everybody looks at Sarah Fuller, the kicker from Vanderbilt that kind yep. of broke through and became that name, you know, in college football to be a female kicker. But when you look locally, Caroline Hazen is really, like I said, she's a true trailblazer. She was a soccer player, a very successful soccer player, obviously going on to play at the college level. And Moline needed a kicker. And she stepped in and has done that role so well. And I think what's even better than her having individual success is that now she's kind of paved the way for three other kickers in that same school, in that same program, in that Moline program. There's now this year, there were four kickers total, four female kickers total. So I just, I think it's great. I I give huge credit to her for kind of taking on the challenge to see what she could do and succeeding at it, but also for Mike Morrissey and that Moline program for, you know, for kind of having that vision to say, let's try this and let's make it work. Cause she is a great kicker and we can mold her into a, a football kicker. And it's awesome to see. And I'm really proud to say that that happened in our area in a school we cover. Yep. No question. So Mitch, without any further ado, the real reason we're here. Now it's time for the best in the West awards. So Mitch, are you ready to discuss the game of the year? Yeah. Fun to, uh, to look back on some of these that, uh, that we were able to witness uh, as they, as they happened and uh, fun to reminisce about some of these. So yeah, let's go through it. All right. Well, let's start in game of the year. We have uh, five nominees for game of the year. Forreston defeating Lena Winslow 20 to 22 to 20. And I believe that was in week nine of the season, correct? Yeah, it was, it was the, the final, final game of the regular season. Obviously it, um, by that time the, the NUIC was already wrapped up with, with Dupec winning. Um, this was a game that was really kind of getting, uh, you know, the monkey off the back of course and beating Lena Winslow. Um, and they had to do it. I think it was 81 yards or something in the final minute. Um, and they end up, they end up doing it. Um, it just a, a really good win for Forreston, even though Forreston's, you know, recently a state champion, they've always kind of had Lena Winslow on them playing in the regular season. They would end up playing again in the playoffs, but this game really, you know, had playoff implications and put Forreston in, in a good spot uh, and dropped Lena to, you know, a uh, place in, as, as a sixth seed that they hadn't been in a while. So this was a really exciting game. Uh, really enjoyed the, the excitement around that one. Yeah, Lena Winslow would obviously go on to do just fine. They would be, they would do well for themselves come playoff time. That was a statement win for Forreston. And it really kind of crept in the question of, so who is the best team in the NUIC? And I think, like I said, Lena Winslow went on to do just fine. They kind of proved themselves in the end, but uh, what a win for Forreston in the regular season to wrap up the regular season. Uh, Next game on the list, Dupec defeating Lena Winslow 30 to 24. So Mitch, the funny thing is Lena Winslow ends up as a state champion and their two games of the year nominees are in their losses. So go figure. 
Yeah, honor, honorable mention here for game of the year, we'll say, is uh, Lena's state championship win. Uh, yeah, because uh, they had the last laugh, certainly. Yeah, they had the, they had the last laugh. But yeah, this is, again, this is a game where you, you talk about a team in Dupac who, who kind of overcame their monster that was Lena Winslow, um, not only beating them in, in a really, really exciting game, uh, but it, it really, it didn't win them, it didn't win the title that night, but it did set them ahead for good as they would go on to win the NUIC outright. Um, and, and just kind of a program defining win, so to speak. We'll see what happens, obviously, in the years to come. But this was kind of that first step that they needed to take and, and it was to beat Lena Winslow. Uh, and again, that, that led them to the title. This was, a, this was a, a very, very exciting game. Yeah, absolutely. Dupec, I believe, took a lead in this one. And Lena Winslow kept coming back and kept coming back. And finally, Dupec was able to put it out of reach and grab the 30-24 to 24 win. But, you know, I just felt like it was a statement win for Dupec, obviously. But also in the way they did it, they were able to sustain and win the game. Whereas the year before, in the spring, Lena Winslow had come back on them, ended up beating them in the end. So this was a yep. game that they, they really needed. And it really kind of separates them, puts them, takes them to the next level as a program. So that, that's why that game makes the list here. Next game on the list. Very exciting football game. Week eight, rivals match up. A-Town and Knoxville. A-Town gets the 20-19 to win. They were both undefeated at the time going into the game. It came down to a two-point conversion attempt, and A-Town is able to get the stop on the two-point conversion to hold Knoxville out of the end zone, come away with the 20-19 to win. Mitch, up to that point and throughout the season, we were really high on Knoxville. We knew A-Town was good. We didn't know how good. They really proved it that night. Yeah, I was, I, I mean, no disrespect to A-Town when I say that I was not expecting them to win this game. I just, I, I had not been impressed. I think this was week seven or week eight. I don't remember, but I, I just remember being so impressed with Knoxville, the way that they were winning games. Um, obviously, both teams, this is their first year in, in the Lincoln Trail. And it, it came down to what we had hoped for, uh, two undefeated teams playing against one another. And the game turned out to be what you would expect. So, yeah, this was a great game. And really, um, uh, again, A-Town would go on to lose to United to, to you know, uh, end the regular season. But they still held that one seed in the playoffs and made it all the way to the quarterfinals, which we'll talk about later. So, again, this was one of those games where uh, A-Town kind of set themselves up for future games. Great win over Knoxville. This was that was a lot of fun. So, Mitch, the next two games we got on the list, uh, yeah. <laughs> high scoring is easily the way to describe them. Uh, the first game that we're going to bring up here, I'm not sure if even high scoring does it justice. We yeah. have to include in our list Springfield defeating Rock Island in the first round of the playoffs, 94 to 72. Mitch. Our local team puts up 72 points in a playoff game, and we're talking about Rock Island coming up short in a loss. Unbelievable game. I don't even know where to start when describing this one. Yeah, I wish I wish we had kept our notes from that game when we talked about it in week one of the playoffs um, to, to remember what the numbers were and how many, how many uh, rushing yards there were and how many total yards <laughs> and just things like that. But, you know, it was just wild. I, I remember sitting – um at home that night because it was the first round of the playoffs it was a Friday night so it was you know exciting for uh for the area to get going unfortunately the game wasn't streamed and so we were getting a lot of updates from you know members of the media who were there and it was just touchdown after touchdown after touchdown after touchdown and a kick return and then a kick return and, and all this and I think there was like 
28 points scored in the final 90 seconds, something like that. It was just <laughs> insane. So, you know, Rock Island, unfortunately, Rock Island set a bunch of, you know, quote unquote, bad records, um, you know, because they, they, they come out with a loss. Because I think at the time, the the most points a team had scored in a six-day playoff game was 72, but that team had won. Yeah. And so certainly Springfield blew that out of the water, almost set the record for most points ever out of any class. And I just say it's actually 96, which is more amazing. Um, <laughs> but that record was one that wasn't broke. But I, I just, you know, a game that, you know, probably made national news with how many points there was. And, um, you know, I think if I remember correctly, I think Springfield gave up 72 in the second round, too. So you know, defense was not their friend, uh, but in this one, their offense certainly uh, came through. Yeah, I believe they, yeah, they gave up 72 again in the second round and lost that game. To Lamont, yeah. So just a crazy, crazy stat line there. The two weeks in a row, you give up 72 and one of them you're able to come away with a win. So that, yeah, that's a game of the year nominee that I don't think either one of us saw coming, you know, before the year started. But certainly it's deserving of the list here. Our last one, last nominee for game of the year, Erie Prophetstown over Rockridge. It was a shootout, not quite as big as that last one, but right. 50 to 48 final. Mitch, I was at that game, lucky enough to be covering that one in the second half. And I just felt like it was the battle of two really good offenses. It was yep. Braden Deem and it was Colby Franks. You went back and forth and Erie Prophetstown is able to come away with the win. A game that maybe we didn't have circled on our radar to start the year. A game yeah. that we didn't have Erie Prophetstown winning to start the year, I should say. And for them to come away with that one, I felt like it was a big statement win for that program and just really set them up for what was coming down the road. They were a really good football team this year, and that was one of their marquee wins. Yeah, maybe the, maybe the first time that maybe I thought or, or that I noticed just how good Kobe Franks was. You know, I, I knew how good Rockridge was from when they, they played so well uh, in, in the spring earlier this year. Um, but I, I don't know that I had really realized how good Erie was as a team, how good Kobe Franks was as a player, uh, in this shootout game. Yeah, that was very well deserving to be on this list. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I joked about, um, actually I brought it up in our, in our last week's episode that at one point Braden Dean was, uh, they Rockridge needed a fourth down. It was a fourth and one from the 50 yard line getting late in the game. Rockridge needed a first down, ultimately needed a touchdown and Deem went ahead and did both. Forget the QB keeper. Forget going up the middle. He bounced to the outside and was gone 50 yards. In the meantime, Colby Franks came back and answered it like he did all night. It was just, that was a ton of fun to watch. It's exactly what you want out of a high school football game. Maybe not if you're a defensive coordinator, but for exactly what we want for a high school football game. Right. Well, Greg, where are you you going here? I'll I'll, uh, give it to you to pick your, uh, your game of the year then. Yeah, I think the games that stand out to me a-Town in Knoxville stands out to me because it truly did come down to one of the final plays of the game where they needed a two-point conversion and Knoxville was able or A-Town was able to get the stop to hold the lead and to hold the win 20 to 19 in a matchup of undefeated teams. The Springfield Rock Island game, it's really hard to look past that one just because of the numbers they yeah. put up. Uh those are my those are probably my top two. Okay. Yeah. If, if, if we were trying to go with agreeing on some of these, I don't know that we're going to get there. Um, okay. I think 
the way the game went with Forreston and Lena Winslow, I think is where I'm going to go. Okay. Uh, again, for, for what it meant for Forreston to, to get that win over Lena um, and the way that, and, and secondly, the way that they did it, like I said, I think it was 81 yards with, with just over a minute to play. Um, I, I think that was just so exciting at the time because you kind of wondered, Dupec had already won the title at that, that, at that moment in time, but you thought, okay, Lena Winslow now has two losses and is there going to be a new, you know, is there going to be a new King in one a is forcing going to make a run at this. Uh, and obviously we know what happens then, but at the time that, that game sticks out to me as, as a really exciting game uh, for force. And then just for, uh, as a fan watching it, I can be, I can be swayed. I could be convinced on this one. Now you may have to owe me the favor later, but I could be okay. convinced on this one because <laughs> I think at the end of the day, Lena Winslow had the last laugh, but I think when you look back on the season in the moment, I remember when you sent me that text, I was floored. I could not yeah. believe not no disrespect to Ful- Forreston. I just couldn't believe that they, that they beat Lena Winslow in the way that they did. And now looking in the big picture of everything, you still can say Forreston was a team that knocked off the one, a state champions. Dupec did right. it as well. Dupec's a three, a school, but when you're looking at one, a schools battling each other, Forreston gets the win over a one a state champion. So I, I, I could be swayed in that direction. Well, I think you put a good point in terms of shock factor, right? Like if I would have said, Hey, EP beat Rockridge. Okay. Yeah. If I would have said spring without, without saying scores, let, let's just drop the scores. If I would have said EP beat Rockridge. Yep. I can believe that Springfield beat Rock Island. Okay. Playoff game. Anything can happen. Yep. A town beat Knoxville. Yep. I, I could see that too. Yep. When you talk about Dupac and Lena, that would be a pretty pretty close to a game of the year type of thing, just for the same reason in terms of shock value. But again, like you said, um, not surprising in the fact that Dupac is, is a bigger school. Um, it's just them getting over that that monster of Lee win. But but for me to say that <laughs> week nine, we got playoffs next week. Forsen just beat Lena Winslow in the final seconds. I think that is what would stick out and really push that game over the players. Yep. All right, let's do it. Let, let's pencil that one in. Our right. view from the West, game of the year, Forreston defeating Lena Winslow in week nine of the regular season, 22 to 20. Do you remember what we picked for game of the year in the spring? Ooh, I don't know if I do. I believe it was UT and Sterling. That game was was kind of eerie Rockridge-esque where both teams were going back and forth. But, but yep. this year, it's more of a shock value type of decision. But both games were in the last game of the regular season. Now, obviously, we didn't have yep. playoffs in the in the spring, but both times our game of the year comes from the last day game of the regular season. Yep, I think, and I think that week nine was when we did uh, the instant instant reacts where you were in the car. We did. There were there were a lot of things that happened that week. So yeah, again, all these things are adding up. This makes that that's a pretty good decision uh, for the Forest and Overly winner game of the year. Yep. All right. Well, Mitch. Before we jump into coaches and players and talk some individuals, let's yeah. go team of the year. So okay. we'll give our nominees throughout our area. We'll give, you know, a few or one, at least from each conference. And then we're going to narrow down. We got one team of the year. We're going to pick. We'll start okay. the Western big six. You got to go with Moline. They're the Western yeah. big six champions. They made it to the second round of the playoffs. Their offense was great. Their defense was phenomenal. Yep. Really great effort week in and week out from this Moline Maroons team. They're our team of the year in the Western Big Six. 
We'll see where they stack in the grand scheme of things here. Keep moving yeah. down the way. Oh, go ahead. Just, just to add Moline, you know, they coming in, it was, it was really who was going to be the, the champ. Were they going to overtake Sterling? You know, could they beat a, a good Rock Island team? And, and they absolutely did. Um, they, they took control of the conference this year. Alec Ponder, Matthew Bailey, uh, you know, Riley Fuller, all, all that whole offense. And like you said, the defense, that was so good. Uh, and then making it to the second round in, in a, a really good game the second round. Unfortunate loss to Willowbrook. But, yeah, Moline, great year for, for them and, and Coach Morrissey. Well, for talking team of the year, we're going on the small school side of things. Yep. We've got to name, we got to call out the state champions. The Lena Winslow Panthers, they finished yep. the year as a state champion. What a playoff run. I mean, just played some phenomenal football down the stretch. Mari Roby really led the way come playoff time. But even going back to the regular season, you had Ethan Fye doing work, Brady Eilders, Brody Mann, Luke Benson, an experienced quarterback, just a really solid overall team. And unfortunately, we've already talked about their two losses in this podcast, but let's talk about some of their wins. I mean, the win in round one of the playoffs, the real eye-opener against Aurora Christian, that's always kind of an unknown game going in, and they really kind of silenced any critics after that week nine loss to Forreston, they really yep. bounced back strong. A big win over Fulton where they took the lead immediately, a commanding lead, never really looked back in that one. That led the way to a state championship game down the road. They get the win over Carrollton in the state championship game where Mari Roby just owned that second quarter and just really yep. took over that game. Mitch, they're a fun team. That, that's a team that's it's hard to pass by them when we start talking our overall team of the year. Yeah, um, you know, you know, for as much talk as, as Moline got, I think, you know, 18 straight uh, quarters that they had scoreless, I would almost want to go back and look at what Lena Winslow's streak was. Okay. Because they gave up six in the first game, three straight shutouts followed that, and then they allowed seven points to Fulton in week five. So where Lena, or I'm sorry, where EPC and where Fulton scored in those games, uh, I'm wondering how close, uh, obviously Moline had four straight shutouts. This is three for Lena, but I'm wondering how close they might've gotten to that. Cause we really didn't talk about that. Um, cause I imagine that streak was close to 15. It was at least 12. So, um, yeah, a, a great team overcame two losses. And, and obviously they are still the Kings of the one, a, uh, playoffs as they win, uh, back-to-back state championships. Yep. We'll stay in the NUIC. Dupec, the Rivermen, the best year they've had as a program. They make it to the second round of the playoffs. But maybe more importantly than that, they are your outright NUIC champions. Mitch, if you win the Northwest of St. Illini, you're doing something right. Your program's moving in the right direction because that is the best conference you're going to find small school or any size around the state. Yeah. Um, and again, like we talked about in the game of the year, getting – getting over the hump of Lena Winslow and, and just controlling that conference was huge for that program. Congrats to them. It really was a, a fun year for the Rivermen to follow them. Um, and unfortunately, you know, as a couple of our teams in our area uh, came to an end the same, the same way in the playoffs against IC Catholic, you wonder how far Dupec would have went had, had IC not been there, potentially a quarterfinal matchup with Princeton, which would have been an unbelievable game. So um, yeah, that, that shouldn't take away from a great season for the Rivermen. And I'm excited to see what they, what they bring back next year. Yeah. I mean, looking through, I think what really made them such a good team this year was that balance on offense. They could run the ball with, um, 
Hold on. Ren we'll take Taylor. It. Yep. So I think what really made Dupec dynamic this year on offense was their balance. In years past, yep. Hunter Hoffman had led the way passing, and that was really where they made yardage. This year, Hunter Hoffman's still there doing the work, but Trenton Taylor really stepped up as a name we learned, and he did, you know, really great work. Ended up as an all-stater for the yep. Dupec Rivermen. And on defensive side of the ball, they really did good work as well. You know, overall, this was a solid football team. Like we talked about, they got over that hump, beating Lena Winslow. Just a, a banner year for River for the Rivermen that gets them into this list of our potential yep. team of the year. Mitch, let's move into the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. We got a few teams here that made our list. The co-champs on one side of the Three Rivers divisions, Kiwani and Princeton. Now, Kiwani got the win in the regular season, but they end up as technically co-champs as they both finished the regular season in conference play with one loss. But we'll start with Kiwani. Mitch, the Boilermakers go 8-1 and one in the regular season. Their only loss coming, I believe, in week nine to Newman, but just a phenomenal team. Head coach Brad Swanson did a great job with this team. Keontas Patterson, Will Bruno, Jordan Johnson, an all-around Solid football team, offense, defense, and special teams. Yeah, and, and certainly they had uh, a handful of exciting wins, too. Obviously, you know, talking about uh, probably most notably their win against Plano in the playoffs. Um, just a really good team uh, in 4A, one of, the, one of the only 4A teams we talked about. So, um, yeah, cool, cool to see them get co-champs in, the, uh, in, the, in their division. Uh, unfortunately, that, like you said, that loss – keeps them from being the outright champs, but they, they set a bunch of, of records, you know, school records that were long standing, um, you know, in, in terms of wins and, and winning streaks and, and, you know, things like that. So uh, like you said, coach Swanson and the Boilermakers really, really good team to watch and uh, certainly uh, deserving to be on the team of the year nominees. Yep. Well, sticking right in that same conference, that same division, the Princeton Tigers, Great run into the quarterfinals this year. A team we had a lot of expectations for, yep. had a lot of hopes for, and they delivered. They played some great football this year. Ryan Pearson's crew, led by Tegan Davis, Bennett Searins, Augie Christensen. Again, another team that was very well-rounded. Offense, defense, special teams. They really did great work. A team that we expected to be there, and they, and they made a, another good playoff run. Not as far as maybe they hoped or is that we thought they could potentially go, but a great season overall, certainly deserving of a nomination for our team of the year. Yeah, and I want to throw out Drew Hart, too, playing defense yeah. for the Tigers. Uh, in the, the couple of games that I watched, most notably the North Boone game there, their first-round playoff game, that kid was everywhere, and it was really like that all season. So shout-out to, to Drew Hart, too. Um, yeah, this was a team that we just we, – we weren't sure – it was weird, right? We didn't know what to expect from them because the offense was going to look a little bit different with Tegan Davis taking over the quarterback. Um, and they were a lot of, of fun to watch. So, uh, yeah, they, they did what Princeton has done. You know, they, they are, are just like Lena Winslow in the NUIC in terms of their, uh, you know, their stature with, without the titles, of course. But um, a tough team to beat, lost to Kiwani, came back, uh, really strong after that loss. And like you said, got all the way to the quarterfinals and then lost to, a, again, lost to IC Catholic. Um, but a great year for, for Coach Pearson yet again and uh, for the Princeton Tigers. Yep. Well, let's stick in the three rivers, but we'll go to the opposite side of the conference, the other division, Erie Prophetstown, the outright 
champions of their side of the three rivers. That's the yep. first time in school history that as the co-op that they claim a conference championship. Great year for the Panthers led by Colby Franks. I mean, that, that kid ended up being an all-state athlete, all-state quarterback. He was just such a dynamic playmaker. When they needed to play, man, he was stepping up to make that play. So much fun to watch. Yeah, and, and thinking back, you know, they, they lost their first two games of the year and then went on just an, an incredible offensive display. Uh, and defensively, too, I, I should say the last five weeks of the regular season, they didn't let up more than 14 points. So, um, yeah, this was a team that really found themselves after that uh, last second loss to St. Beat. It was a field goal. Um, and they only lost by 10 to Mendota in, in week one. So you're talking about a team that was really close to having an undefeated year. And uh, for the first time, as you said, in school history, a long, long history there to your prophet son for that co-op in the football program. So uh, for, for Coach Abbott and, uh, and all the, the Panthers, uh, congrats to them. And uh, yeah, there you are certainly uh, on this list. They would make it into the second round of the playoffs and they battled. I mean, they gave Bishop McNamara, they went toe to toe with them for a, for a large portion of that game. I came yep. away very impressed. They come up a little bit short, but huge credit to the Panthers. Great season and a great playoff presence there to make it into the second round and really battle a tough program in Bishop Mack. So they're certainly also deserving to be in this list. Last nomination, Mitch, we're going A-Town. Co-champs of the Lincoln Trail. They split it with Knoxville. But I think what pushes them over the edge, they make it to the quarterfinals for the first time in school history. And they also had that win 20 to 19 over Knoxville in week eight of the regular season. I think from there, you really kind of, uh, you know, did that double take and looked at them like, man, this team is really doing some great stuff here. Yeah, they, you know, they, they get that big one over Knoxville and then they get tripped up by United in, in week nine. Again, we keep, we keep talking about all the things that happened in week nine. That was, that was quite yeah. a night. And then I, I certainly thought, and I, and I think because Lena also lost, that helped A-Town retain that number one seed. But going into the playoffs and them, you know, coming in following a loss, I, I didn't think they would make it to the quarterfinals. I, I truly didn't. They had, they had a tough road. They played really good opponents, uh, their, their three games that they played. Um, but, yeah, Easton Schischler and, and that whole crew really set the tone, played really exciting football all year. And uh, like, like you said, first year in the conference in the LTC, they come away with a co-champ. That's a pretty good year in my book. Yep, absolutely. All right, so Mitch, you could go first here. What are your thoughts? Team <laughs> of the right, year, well, where's your head go? Well, I don't, I don't think I'm going to have to owe you the favor here. Um, and I don't think I'll have to convince you on this, but I, it's Lena Winslow for me. Um, uh, again, it, it's hard to deny the team that, <laughs> that won the state championship as your team of the year. But if you just watched how they played and just – especially in the playoffs if you just watched uh the what was what that four or five games is that four or five yep whatever that yeah. is. um if you just watched film from from them and obviously from from your great highlights from the state championship game you would wonder how they lost it all um which again is a testament to force and defect but the way they bounced back the way they really found their footing really in that first round and just continue to do that throughout the playoffs to, uh, to win a second straight one, a state championship. They're, they're my team of the year. Um, and, and what a season that, that them and, and coach Aaron had, uh, in a great podcasting moment, you asked me a question four or five and I answered yes. So it yes. is five, it is five wins. So 
Yes. That's the, that's the content the fans crave. <laughs> it is five wins. And I agree. I think Lena Winslow, the run they made in the playoffs, led by Mari Roby, but overall just this team to really kind of bounce back, you know, to, to kind of get that little scare in them, um, losing to Forreston in week nine, but to really come out and really perform the way they did in the playoffs. I think that set them apart. Hard to deny Moline in this scenario. I, yeah. They're very deserving of a team of the year because of the way that they won. I mean, we didn't even mention yet the way that they won the game against Rock Island, a very good Rock Island team. And I think they beat them 63 to <laughs> nothing. nothing. So, it was a out, yeah. So, I mean, just that's a game that really kind of, you know, made you do a double take. But, um, you know, everybody on this list, all these teams were great. A ton of fun to watch. But I agree. I'm going Lena Winslow as our as our view from the West team of the year. Yep. All right, Mitch, now into coaches of the year. We'll go through each conference. We'll give a nod to the coach we think is best in that conference. And then maybe we'll pick one as our overall coach. Does that sound good? Yeah. Yes. All right. In the Western Big Six, we got Mike Morrissey from Moline, John Schlemmer from Sterling, Ben Hammer from Rock Island. I'll go first. I defaulted to you last time. Okay. I think for me, I'm going Mike Morrissey and Moline. I think it's what we had kind of just referenced the way that they won football games this year. They really impressed me and the work that needed to be done to get to that level. I mean, Mitch, you remember in the spring, they were a work in progress and they were kind of learning things and getting better as that spring season progressed. And we wondered if it would translate and it certainly translated into the fall. Yeah, I, th- I think they were two and four in the spring, I yep. think. Um, and and again, uh, going to toot my own horn because I, I thought that they would win the Western Big Six at the beginning of the year. And then they, they made me look they made me look good there. But uh, but yeah, I'm with you here with, with Coach Morrissey, just the way that they played winning the Western Big Six title is not an easy thing to do, uh, especially when you have to overcome Sterling, who's had such a such a stronghold um, uh, in that conference for, for a little while now. So, yeah, I'm with you here. Uh, so congrats to, to Coach Morrissey for what it's worth on the, the View from the West Coach of the Year Award. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. We got four coaches on the list here, Mitch. Jesse Abbott from Erie Prophetstown, Brad Swanson from Kiwani, Jeremy Adolphson from Monmouth-Roseville, and Ryan Pearson from Princeton. Mitch, you're up first. Okay. Give me your thoughts on this list. Boy, it's a tough one. Yeah, this is hard. Um, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go because it was the first time in school history that they won a a division crown and they were such a dynamic team, uh, on on offense and on defense. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Jesse Abbott here with Erie. Um, I was just really impressed how, how well, how well they looked, um, and how far that program has come under his tutelage. So, I, yeah, I, not to take away from what Ryan Pearson has done year after year after year, uh, what Coach Swanson did with Kiwani and, and Jeremy Alderson with, with Monmouth Roseville, but um, just with, with Coach Abbott and the Panthers, what they accomplished, I, I like him here as my pick. I was between Jesse Abbott and Jeremy Adolphson, and okay. I think it comes down to when I start talking Coach of the Year, I look at the progress. And both those coaches led their programs to, to great places this year when yep. it wasn't there. The track record, the success was not there in the spring necessarily. And both coaches were able to find a way to utilize their talent 
to get to where they got to. I'll give the edge to Erie Provincetown only because they won the game against Monmouth Roseville heads up. That's, that's the only differentiating factor. I'll give it to Monmouth Erie Provincetown in this one. But also huge credit to Kiwanis, Brad Swanson, and Ryan Pearson. Those programs are great. They, I mean, that was one of the most entertaining football games I covered this year was Kiwani-Princeton. Great rivalry, great programs going toe-to-toe. But I think, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, I'll go Jesse Abbott's. There you go. For our Three Rivers Athletic Conference Coach of the Year, me and Mitch agree we're going Erie Provincetown. We're going Jesse Abbott. Let's move into the Lincoln Trail Conference. We got four coaches on the list. David Milroy from United, Rick Quinn from A-Town, Ryan Hebbard from Knoxville, and Andrew Hofer from Mercer County. Mitch, the same thing I just talked about, the progress of a program and where they've gone over the course of the spring into the fall, I immediately turned to David Milroy. The work he's done, the program that really needed a shot in the arm, and man, he had some talented pieces, but he made it all work made it all work together well. That's David Milroy and United for me. Yeah, uh, you know, we for the listeners, we didn't, uh, you know, rehearse this. We didn't know which, uh, which coaches that we were going to pick, but I agree with you here too because that was, that was really a name that I thought of too as coach of the year, just how well United did. You know, they, they had an injury at quarterback midway through the year that they had to overcome, uh, and then you get him back. They beat A-Town, um, and they get into the playoffs. Uh, um, tough loss. I want to say they played Iroquois West in the first round. I want to say right, and, yeah. lost, and lost a close game there. But but again, United has been down for a long time, and and you wonder now if if they if they found something that uh, gets them back to where they where they used to be, and uh, to maintain being a, a consistent player in the LTC. So yeah, I agree with you here, David Norway with United. Great job. All right, so there we go. Moving into the Northwest Upstate Illini. Four more coaches on the list from that conference. A great conference. Rick Arend from Lena Winslow. No shocker there. Tyler Hoffman from Dupec. Kenan Janicki from Forreston. And Patrick Lower from Fulton. Mitch, what are your thoughts here? This one's a tricky one, I think. Yeah, and I, I wonder if I'll, if I'll trick you up on my pick. Because I'm going to go with Patrick Lower at Fulton. Oh, um, Okay. First year in, in a in the toughest conference in the state, we'll say at least at least in one A, no question about it. Um, coming from the track where they where they had success, but then you really jump into really 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 solid football, you know, from top top to bottom in that conference, and, and they did really well. Um, I, I think they were six and three in the regular season, um, and it went to the second round before they lost to. Uh, was it third? Did they go to the quarterfinals? Quarterfinals, correct. Quarterfinals yep. before they lost to to, uh, uh, to Lena Winslow. So two playoff wins uh, in, a, in a great debut season. Obviously, he had his son at quarterback. So, um, And I believe, if I'm remembering it correctly, he became Fulton's all-time winningest coach, I think. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't remember if that's right. but <laughs> it, might, it might be. I, I'm not sure. It could be. could be. Would not yeah, surprise not, me at all. I don't remember if it was winningest or he certainly uh, – got over a, a threshold of wins. So uh, either way, it was a great year. So I, I like uh, Patrick Lohr here as my pick for, for coach of the year. Not sure that you'll agree here. So you might have to persuade me. Yeah. I was going to say my thought was coach Aaron or Tyler Hoffman from yep. Lena Winslow and from Dupec. I, I think I'm going to go with Tyler Hoffman at Dupec because the expectations were there. And it, it comes down to, you know, players performing, but also it comes down to 
scheming and game planning and getting those players in the right positions, in the right places at the right times. It seemed like throughout this year, Dupec was pushing the right buttons. They were, they were executing at a high level. That goes to some coaching. I'm going Tyler Hoffman. So this, this may be where you return the favor. I think. Well, yeah. And let me, let me say, cause I think Tyler Hoffman was my, my really close second pick. Okay. So this is not that far of a, of a, you know, for me to meet you on middle ground here. Cause uh, yeah, he was pretty close and, and certainly well-deserving with the conference champs. Um, so yeah, I'm with you here. So uh, Tyler Hoffman coach of the year in the NUIC. All right. So Tyler Hoffman is our consensus pick for coach of the year. Mitch, you liked Patrick lower. I liked Hoffman. So you gave me the favor back. So our coach of the year in the NUIC, we're going to go with Tyler Hoffman. All right, Mitch, now we're getting into the real stuff here. Conference yeah. players of the year, which will then lead into our overall view from the West player of the year. We're going to basically award our, our Heisman trophy for the view from the West. So yeah. let's get into it. Let's talk some players. We'll start in the Western big six, Mitch, when you run down the list here, you know, I think you got to start with all stater, Matthew Bailey. Yep. Uh, but don't look too far down the way when it comes to running backs though, you know, he was the wide receiver, but for running backs leading the way, Antonio Tablante for Sterling. When you look at quarterback play, two good quarterbacks really separated themselves. Eli Reese from Rock Island, Alec Ponder from Moline. But you also from Moline had Riley Fuller and Gavin Grace doing great work as running backs. Marion Anderson from Rock Island as a wide receiver. Demas Slater had over 600 yards for United Township as a wide receiver. Carter Ryan, you saw flashes of him play really well. Unfortunately, Health, you know, injuries caught up with him. He couldn't stay on the field for the, for the full season. But don't sleep on Kyrios either at tight end. Right. So a lot of good players here. Mitch, what, what players stand out to you? What players separate themselves? Yeah, I mean, all the names that you just mentioned are, are certainly dynamic players and, and had great years uh, in their own right. But for me, the player that I saw probably the most and was probably most impressed with in terms of just being a playmaker, being you know better than a lot of defenders that could ever be matched up against him, winning jump balls, making acrobatic catches, um, certainly in, in their playoff game before he was injured. But Matthew Bailey uh, from Moline, 800 yards, 11 touchdowns, gets you know uh, my pick here. He was an all-state selection. Again, his injury in that Willowbrook game in the second round really changed the nature of how Moline had to play. And you wonder if, if he was available, would they would have you know, had that extra piece to get over that hump. Um, but regardless of that, just a really, really great player. And uh, I think he would be uh, my pick as the player of the year in the Western Big Six. Well, Mitch, there's no uh, no entertaining debate here. I'm, I'm yeah. in lockstep with you. I agree. Matthew Bailey, he's an all-state athlete, ends the year with 802 receiving yards, 11 touchdowns. Great effort from him. He's my, he's my pick. So our Western big six player of the year for the view from the West podcast, we're going with Matthew Bailey, Mitch, let's move into the three rivers athletic conference. We got a lot of names. It's a big conference. So a lot of names, a lot of talent here. We'll start with the quarterbacks. Obviously when you start talking quarterbacks, you got to talk Will Bruno, Tegan Davis, but don't forget. Obviously no one can forget all stater Colby Franks on the other side of the division, Braden Deem from Rock Ridge, Silas Braun from Monmouth Roseville. Really good athletes there. So many yep. touchdowns, so much yardage from the quarterback position. 
on the ground and through the air. They, I mean, these quarterbacks could do it all. Looking at the running back position, Peyton Locke from Rock Ridge, a name we knew coming into the fall after his great spring. Derek Chandler from Monmouth Roseville really made a name for himself this fall for Monmouth Roseville. Keontas Patterson from Kiwani, a great season to lead the Boilermakers. Marcus Williams from Newman. What, I mean, talk about the prototypical perfect running back for Newman. I mean, mm-hmm. he was really their workhorse and he could break some big runs, looked really good for them. Wide receiver position, you had Nate Henry ends up as an all-state selection. Bennett Searins from Princeton, a target, a favorite target of Tegan Davis. And also Jordan Johnson from Kiwani ends up with almost a thousand yards receiving Mitch, 13 touchdowns. Great year from him. So there's kind of a rundown of some of the best players from the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. Yeah, for, for me, uh, again, when you, I watched a lot of this team's games and I, I watched this player a lot. And it was it was clear that his talent was was pretty superior and that he was going to be a tough matchup for a lot of different opponents. And he, and he proved that uh, really all year. But in his first year quarterback to take over a really good program at Princeton, Tegan Davis is my pick here. Uh, almost 3000 all purpose yards, nearly 30 touchdowns, just really, really good numbers for him. So I, I really like, really liked his style of play and, and the way that he led Princeton to uh, into the playoffs. And uh, yeah, I like him here as my, my conference player of the year for the track uh, again, Mississippi division. Yep. I really like Tegan Davis. It's really hard for me to bypass Will Bruno or Keontas Patterson from Kiwani or Jordan Johnson from Kiwani for that matter. But I think I'm in agreement with you. I think Tegan Davis was a name that we were excited to watch and he lived up to the hype. He really did a great job for that Princeton offense and just such a, you know, an athlete to have at the quarterback position. He could do a little bit of everything for him, just makes him really dangerous. And we still have one more year to watch him, which is really exciting stuff when you think about that. So there you go. From the Mississippi side of the Three Rivers Athletic Conference, our view from the West Player of the Year is Tegan Davis. Mitch, let's switch to the other side of the conference. And I think the name that really separated himself was Colby Franks. He ends up as an All-Stater, 33 touchdowns, 2,500 yards total on the season. Mitch, that's where I start. What other names do you got that you're looking at? Yeah, in that division, and I think that's a great pick. He, he was certainly a dynamic player. Um, you know, when you, when you talk in that division in, in the Rock, you've got Mammoth Roseville with, with Silas Braun, uh, you know, Derek Chandler all, all, and that whole team. Um, you've got Rock Ridge and their dynamic offense with Peyton Locke and uh, Braden Deem and, and Nate Henry, like you said earlier. But, again, the way that Kobe Franks played this year was, was just – so much fun to watch um, uh, dual threat by every definition of the term and, and something that you don't see a whole lot. You know, you saw it a lot. Of, let me take that back. Let me walk that back. You haven't seen it historically in the track a whole lot, at least to that level. Um, you know, we're seeing it more, especially with, with Tegan Davis and, and, and a number of quarterbacks, but the way that Kobe Franks really took over that program, led them into the playoffs. Um, I, I would, I would say that he is my player of the year as well for this, uh, for the rock division. Yeah, I mean, Kobe Franks and Braden Deem were kind of 1A and 1B for me. They were right there. But when you start looking at other players, wide receiver position, Nate Henry ends up as an All-State athlete, nine touchdowns, 
723, 28 yards receiving. Really great season for him as well. But I agree. I think for the Rock side of the Three Rivers Athletic Conference, I think that our player of the year for the View from the West podcast is Kobe Franks. Yep. So, Mitch, that brings us to the Lincoln Trail Conference. A lot of teams here and a lot of names on those teams that, that really, I think, all are kind of in the mix here. I don't know that there's a clear-cut favorite. We'll talk through it. You have, uh, looking at quarterbacks, Aiden Parkins from United and Easton Schischler from A-Town. Those two are fun to watch, doing battle against each other in Week 9. I was there to see that game. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. They definitely were kind of the heartbeat of their programs. You also have Cormac Flynn from United, who ended up as the LTC Offensive Player of the Year. He was an All-State athlete. Maybe he's a front runner here. Peyton Hankins from Knoxville. Mitch, we were calling his name every single week. I mean, he was putting up so much yards for the Blue Bullets. David Meese, same way, from Mercer County. Every time we called highlights for Mercer County, David Meese was involved. Darius Dickerson from Anawan Weathersfield. Wide receivers, Clay Slagle, Cole Troxell from Anawan Weathersfield, and Parker Stone King from A-Town. So, Mitch, when it comes to the Lincoln Trail, I think Easton Schischler is right in the mix. I think Cormac Flynn is in the mix. But, man, it's tough when you start looking at Peyton Hankins or Aiden Parkins. Yep. I, I don't know. Mitch, I'll, I'll default to you first. You said this, was, this is a tough, a tough conference to, to select just one player uh, because there are a lot of – a lot of good performances, a lot of good, uh, you know, players to choose from. For me, um, just in, in the way that United played this year, um, and with Cormac Flynn being kind of an all-around guy, he was uh, running back, linebacker, kick returner. I think he had a, a handful of, of kick return, uh, I should say, you know, returns for touchdowns for, for the Red Storm. Um and so for me, I, I think I agree with the uh, with the coaches. I, I assume who, who who vote on the the conference players of the year. Uh, so Cormac Flynn here for me too is is a is an easy pick uh, with the way that he meant to that Red Storm team. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm with you on that one. I'm going Cormac Flynn as well. We agreed a lot here without even really yeah. talking about it. Um, I will. Go. Yeah, I will give shout out though to Easton Schischler, Aiden Parkins. And Peyton Hankins in particular, all these names that yeah. I've said even before them are great, but those three, I think were, you could tell that as their team, as they went, their team went, they, they yeah. were kind of those leaders. I loved watching them play, but something about Cormac Flynn just kind of gave him that little extra something, that little extra edge. Yeah, I agree. I'm going with Cormac Flynn there. So our Lincoln trail conference view from the West player of the year, Cormac Flynn. So we're now into the Northwest Upstate Illini. Mitch, the last conference we have to pick here. And yeah. then we're going to pick our Heisman Trophy winner, our, our view yep. from the West Heisman. So let's yep. get into the NUIC. Hunter Hoffman, Patrick Lower, Ethan Heffel, the quarterbacks that really led the way in the NUIC. Hunter Hoffman from Dupec. For, for Fulton had Patrick Lower, and Ethan Heffel was from Galena. Mari Roby at running back for Lena Winslow, along with Ethan Fye. They both put up big numbers. Trenton Taylor for Dupec, Keegan Van Campen from Fulton, and also Matthew Beltron from Forreston. Mitch Van Campen, Beltron, and Trenton Taylor were all All-Staters coming from the yep. NUIC. So that really yep. shows you what kind of running backs we had. And that didn't even include Mari Roby, didn't get on the All-State list. So just, sure. uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unbelievable. 
looking at wide receivers, you got Brock Mason from Fulton and also Jacob Jones had a great year from Fulton, Trent Hetland from Dupec and Brady Schemmelhorn from Galena. Mitch, I think it starts and stops the conversation with one name. I'll, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you go first, but I think I know where we're going here. Yeah. In, in, it is that way. Okay. It, it just makes, it, it makes his performance so remarkable because all those names that you just mentioned had incredible years, really, really solid, uh, you know, performances as individuals, but also led their teams to do great things. You're talking about a lot of teams that went to the playoffs here in the NUIC, as, as we've said all season, as we've said on, on this, on this show too, um, that it's the best small school football in the state, but at the end of it, as you said, there is one name that stands above and really has for the past couple of seasons. It's Mari Roby from Lena Winslow. One, one of the most dynamic running backs, you know, I've, I've had the pleasure of watching. Um, you, you've you know seen him in person more than I have. So you, you have a different perspective, but even seeing specifically what he did in, in the state, you know, the state championship game against a really good Carrollton defense. And he just tore him apart, just absolutely tore him to pieces. And uh, it just goes to show how special of a player that he is. Really good wrestler, too, now that, the, now that we're into the winter, winter season. So, um, yeah, Mari, Mari Roby for me. And uh, I'm going to guess that's where you'll go to here. But uh, just a phenomenal season. And uh, really nice to see that they capped, uh, capped his career off with another state championship. Yeah, I'm going Mari Roby as well. Hunter Hoffman would be my would be my strong number yeah. two candidate. He was right yep. in the mix for me. Um, you know, Trenton Taylor also from Dupec, you know, an all-stater had a really good season. Keegan Van Campen from Fulton and Matthew Beltron, you know, another, yeah. you know, just, it's hard to pass by those names, but just from what I saw in Mari Roby, man, he is one of the, I mean, the most fun, the most entertaining athletes I've seen in years. And I, I can't look past that here. So yep. Mitch, our, our view from the West podcast player of the year from the NUIC is Mari Roby. So Mitch, before we wrap up our NUIC talk, we named our 11 man player of the year, but we have to look at the eight man ranks. Mitch, we had some really exciting football in 11 man. I mean, our state championship game was Polo and Orangeville, two teams from the NUIC. There's some names on those lists when we're looking at player of the year that certainly stood out. That being Gunnar Lobdell from Orangeville, over 2,300 yards rushing, 42 touchdowns. I mean, I know it's eight man, but Mitch, those numbers are mind boggling. You look at Polo, they had a dual threat. Two guys, Avery Grenoble and Brock Soltau, yeah. both did work there. They combined for nearly 50 touchdowns. Right. So those two names or those three names led the way there. But then you also have Connor Nye from Milledgeville. I mean, did great work. And then at the um, quarterback position, you also had Aiden Wolf from Aquin who did great. So Mitch, who is our player of the year in the eight man ranks? Yeah. Um, all those names you mentioned again, had incredible individual seasons just mind-boggling numbers and, and and I don't you know uh I don't personally care if they're putting those numbers up in 11 man or or eight man because you're 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 still playing against the same you know number of players that you have on offense but uh for me I, I think in making it to the state championship game 
and the numbers that you mentioned, it, it's Orangeville's Gunnar Lobdell, um, who just capped off an incredible career. Um, big, big body running back, hard to stop. You, you know, Polo did a great job in that state championship game, but he still, he was the lone scorer for Orangeville in that game. Uh, and just one of the many that he had on the season. So uh, eight, eight man for me uh, would be Gunnar Lobdell. I'm going Gunnar Lobdell as well. Mitch, Gunnar Lobdell also had 123 tackles on the season. So, you know, in eight man, you're going to be playing both directions and he did it at a very high level. So outstanding season for him. Gunnar Lobdell, our eight man player of the year for the view from the West podcast. So Mitch, that brings us back to the big discussion. We went through all of the conferences in 11 man and named our player of the year from each conference. So now it's time to name our overall, our, you know, this is our Heisman Trophy, Mitch, our View yep. from the West podcast, Player of the Year. Let's start the conversation. I mean, I, I think you got to look at Matthew Bailey from Moline. Mm-hmm. The names we've already discussed, obviously, if they won, if they're the player in the conference, Tegan Davis, Mari Roby, Colby Franks, Cormac Flynn. Mitch, your thoughts? Again, it's... One of those things, again, where I, I think one name stands out above the rest, but it's not to diminish anything that any of the other players did. Um, it, it's weird that it's a tough decision, but it's also not. So uh, for me, coming back from such a, a, a devastating injury in the spring and only being, what, six months removed from that, something like yeah. that. And to come back and play the way he played, certainly the, the final five games uh, of, of the season, obviously the, the playoff run, I think he had close to 1,000 yards in the playoffs alone. And what was it, over 250 in the state championship game? So uh, to cap off his career with, with two state championships, um, it's, it's Mari Roby running back from, from Lena Winslow. Um, also a tremendous defensive back, uh, you know, he had an interception in the state championship game too, and plenty throughout the season. So, um, just a special talent that, you know, we're, we're going to miss in the area that you don't see a whole lot there, you know, the talents like Roby are few and far between, uh, fortunately, Lena Winslow's, you know, uh, had a few of them in recent years, but, but Roby for me, just watching him play, just, just, you know one of the most dynamic players we, as I said, we've had the pleasure of covering. So uh, for, for me, the view from the West player of the year goes to Mari Roby from Lena Winslow. Yeah. College coaches. If you're listening to this, Mari Roby, our view from the West player of the year is a kid. You need to get on your campus. He needs yeah. to be in your program. He needs to be somewhere on your football field. Mitch, this is my pick. We're, we're in unison here. It's unanimous. He was just electric that was the word I described at the state championship game that's the word I described throughout the year watching his highlights watching him in person it's just so much fun to see him just kind of take over a game and to use his athletic you know abilities to juke but then also his speed to run past somebody all that combined just really made for fun football to watch great highlights to get some of the best highlights I've shot in years. We're coming courtesy of Mari Roby. He is definitely our view from the West podcast player of the year. 
Yeah, no question. I think it's it's a, a great pick, like you mentioned, for all the reasons. Just his his patience as a back, he waits for the holes to, to open up, and unfortunately for for defenses, he he waits for that moment, and then once he sees it, you know he's gone. So um, yeah, an incredible talent. Obviously, we have the highlights still pinned on our on our Twitter account. I think so. If you haven't seen them, please please watch them. And uh, as as you said, I hope college coaches are included in that, and they see what a talent he is because someone needs to have him on this. On, uh, on the roster, not just for football purposes, great kid, great interviewer. Um, and uh, looking forward to seeing what, uh, what does happen next for him. Yeah. All right, Mitch. So our last award, the podcaster of the year, we have two nominees, Greg and Mitch. Who you- yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. It's, it's tough, but I'm going to, I'm going to go to, uh, to you here for all the work that you've done on the show. And uh, you know, obviously video was a big part here uh, this year when, whether it be the score with WQAD or, or going out on your own, like to the state championship game. So I'll, I'll give that to you because I, uh, I think we stepped it up a notch and uh, you're, you're a, a big reason why. Well, how about this? You could be our Twitter operator of the year you okay. know, and I'll be the videographer of the year. Got so it. that we'll each, we'll each take home an award today. That'll work. I, I, I like it. Mitch, this wraps us up. This is our final podcast of the 2021 season and also of the year and Mitch we packed a lot in this year we go back to the spring when we started this podcast and now here we are wrapping up 2021 it is it has been quite a ride and it's only the beginning I'm really excited yeah I don't I I don't know how many shows we would have done um probably close to 30 with with you know coach interviews and uh if we were talking uniforms or whatever it may be but um you know with, with Lena's run through the playoffs it gave us a couple of extra weeks to talk and um yeah it was it was it was a fun year crazy that that all of this has happened in, in a year that we were talking about you know COVID in, in the spring and the season that we were you know uh, fortunate to, to have back and um kind of getting back into some normalcy now and uh we finally have uh, <laughs> a, a typical off season so to speak Yes, the off season is coming, um, but you know, come the new year, we're not going away. We're not going totally quiet. We'll try to get some episodes every now and then, and hopefully get some coaches' interviews. Mitch will definitely do a little uniform talk. We'll be talking yes. helmets this off season. I think we'll I do think some so. rankings of helmets, which is going to be really exciting. You know, there could be conference realignment. There could be teams going to eight man. There could be teams coming out of eight man. So. You know, um, there's always something happening in in our area with the with the teams that we cover. So, uh, yeah, we're uh, the the content machine will will keep churning. We'll just figure out a way how to do it. Absolutely, Mitch. Thank you so much for all of your efforts for being here week in and week out for keeping everybody informed and entertained on Twitter. I love it. It's been a ton of fun. Thank you to everybody who listens and who enjoys this. It's we enjoy it just as much on this end providing the product as hopefully you do, you know, listening to it and enjoying it. It's, it's been a ton of fun. I didn't know where all this was going to go. And we started back in the spring and uh, yeah. I'm so excited where we're at and I'm so excited where we're going. Yeah. It's like 200 days or something. So we'll, you know, uh, we'll be talking week one before we know it. That's right. Kyle was already uh, previewing it on NUIC yeah. football. He had the countdown yes. already going. So yeah. to everyone listening, have a great Christmas, have a happy new year, have a great holidays. We'll talk to you again in 2022. Thank you so much. 
That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.